Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Today I want to talk to you about covenant. I know we don't use that word very often, but it is a word that is used quite a bit in the Bible, the book that God gave us, preserved for us, so that we could know him and his will for our lives. Covenant. We saw a little bit of a covenant here in baptism, an agreement, an agreement and a promise God makes to us and we promise back to him. You're going to hear a passage from Jeremiah 31. It's quoted in the New Testament, well, quite a bit. And the idea of covenant is, well, it makes it very, very important and we need to look at it. So basically, you have an agreement between two people. And what we see in the Bible is that God made a number of covenants with people. Noah comes to mind, promised never to destroy the earth with a flood, so we get the rainbow. Abraham, God chose Abraham and his descendants to bring his word and his promises and the Savior of the world to the nations. And then we have Moses, that's where we get the Ten Commandments, the Passover, that covenant. And then King David, the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. In each of these cases, God shows his constant provision, faithfulness, and grace to people. He's the one doing all the rescuing, all the saving, all the providing, all the blessing. And each in these cases, he says, I will be your God you will be my people. And what he asks for in return? Simple trust and faithfulness. The closest thing we have today to a covenant relationship like that of the Bible between God's people and himself is marriage. I promise to love you, to be husband, to be wife to you for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death parts us, and I pledge you my faithfulness. When we give our lives wholeheartedly to another, that love is to be reciprocated. It's not a, I will love you if... It's, I will love you. And that love will motivate the other to return the love. And so on and so on. One of the big words in the Old Testament that is used to describe God's relationship with his people is this word hesed. It is God's loving kindness the consistent, ever-faithful, relentless, constantly pursuing, 
lavish, extravagant, unrestrained, one-way love of God. It's often translated as covenant love or loving kindness or mercy or steadfast love or loyal love or devotion or commitment or reliability. In the Hebrew scriptures, hesed refers to a sort of love that has been promised and owed. Covenant love is the love God promises to give to his covenant people and which they in turn were to respond loving God with all their hearts, mind, and strength, loyalty, faithfulness. Hesed does not suggest some kind of a generic love of everyone. It's exclusive. It's like a marriage. And this is how God saw his relationship with Israel. And this is how Israel was supposed to see their relationship with God. God chose the Israelites to be his kingdom of priests for the world. He gave them the prophets, the scriptures, the temple, the priests, the promises, the covenants, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, was to come and right the wrong that Adam and Eve made and defeat death and the devil forever. God's love for them was everlasting love. The problem it's not with God. It's with people. They failed him again and again. Not only did God choose Israel, but he also cared for Israel whenever they got themselves into trouble. And the simple fact was that God protected Israel down through the ages. You can read all about it in the Old Testament. But they were very, very unfaithful very wicked and rebellious in spite of his patience. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the good, good father God was to his people in giving them the, one of the covenants, the Ten Commandments. He brought them out of Israel, brought them out of slavery, from the slavery of Pharaoh, gave them freedom and then gave them the Ten Commandments, kind of like a safe, to guard and to keep very, very important and valuable things for their well-being. Things like our exclusive relationship with God, the one true God, God's powerful name, worship and the need to rest, authority, the value of all human life, our sexuality, possessions, our reputation, and even the things that belong to our neighbor, all those things are very, very valuable, and they're protected in the Ten Commandments. Summarized, the commandments protect our most valuable relationships, our relationship with our Creator, and our relationships with each other. And for our own good, and the good of everyone else were to keep these commandments. But the Israelites couldn't keep them. We can't either. All I have to do is read that Old Testament to see how rebellious they were. And here's an example from Jeremiah chapter 16. Because your fathers have forsaken me, declares the Lord, and have gone after other gods and have served and worshipped them, 
and have forsaken me and have not kept my law, because you have done worse than your fathers, for behold, every one of you follows his stubborn evil will, refusing to listen to me. Ouch. And we're no different. Man, our society seems to be doing everything it can to push God out and replace God with other gods, the worst of which is ourselves. And so our freedom to do whatever we want, our freedom to pursue pleasure no matter what the consequences, our freedom to get what we want when we want it, and that all sounds good and fine except when what you want conflicts with what I want. Or when we want the same thing but can't have the same thing, there's a big problem. When my pursuits of pleasure is negatively going to affect you, hmm, there's a big problem. No man is an island. Every decision we make somehow affects someone else. So either God is on the throne and our highest authority, or we are. And selfishness does not make for a very good ruler. And if there's one thing that will kill our relationship with our God and our relationship with others, it's selfishness. Theodore Roosevelt said, if you could kick the person in the pants who is responsible for most of your troubles, you wouldn't be able to sit for a month. The Bible clearly tells us, and we know it to be true, we have a sinful nature and it causes us to mess up all the time. We make poor decisions. We say things and do things that hurt others and ourselves. And we pretty well ignore the one who created us and gave us life. Thank you, God. We appreciate that. And we'll let you know when we need you again. Hmm. And then there's the sins of omission. Never mind just doing wrong. How about doing right? Man, those are the ones I really struggle with. I mean, I have learned to be pretty careful with my words when speaking to or about someone else. And I suppose if I just ignore people, then I won't sin against them. But is ignoring really loving? Is refraining from getting involved really helping? Is not stepping up when there's a need really serving? I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. And Romans 3 reminds us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've not kept our end of the agreement of the covenant. We've been unfaithful. What do we do? Now there's nothing, nothing we can do to make God love us. We broke the covenant Someone once said, well, God helps those who help themselves. We can't help ourselves. God helps those who can't 
help themselves. And that's why we come to church and hear the good news. And let me tell you, this is really good news. It's from the prophet Jeremiah. It's the Old Testament reading for this Sunday. Listen to these words from chapter 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. I read these words and I'm flabbergasted, speechless, awestruck at the love of God. And these words have been fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter 8. It's all over the New Testament, but let's take a look at these words. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh anymore, but according to the Spirit. Oh, wow. Jesus came to live the perfect life that we couldn't live. He died in our place for our sin so we can be forgiven by our Creator and loved. And so that we would never forget the significance of what Jesus did for us, he gives us the Lord's Supper. The first Lord's Supper, you remember, took place the night before Jesus was crucified. It was part of that Passover meal. What did the Jews remember at Passover? When God rescued them from slavery, from Pharaoh, by sacrificing a lamb without blemish and placing its blood over the doorposts so the angel of death would pass over. That was part of the old covenant, the old arrangement. And the new one is that Jesus has become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, this is what the Bible says, and likewise, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup 
that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. New covenant, new relationship, new agreement. Our relationship with God is not based on our ability to keep the law or any of the rituals that were added to it over the years. Our relationship with God is only possible through Jesus Christ, whose blood cleanses us from all sin. And if that wasn't enough, God gives us the spirit of Jesus Christ, puts that spirit in us. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That certainly sounds like I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. Saw that again in baptism. We receive the Holy Spirit to live and help us respond to the love of God with a life of faithfulness and trust in him. When we come to Jesus Christ, he gives us the Spirit as our guide, as our counselor, and he gives us a new nature. And in that new nature, we've got new desires. You heard them in Psalm 119. We want God to be in charge. We want him to be in charge of our life. We want him to teach us how to live and how to love. Romans 8, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. That's new covenant, grace and love. See, God restructures the deal. Yeah, it's getting close to playoff times. Deadlines are approaching. Maybe there will be some new signings of players in the NHL. But for that to take place, someone might have to restructure a deal they made. Less money up front, get more money later so they can sign a new player. God restructures the deal, the arrangement with us. Instead of condemning us, he forgives us. Because of Jesus, we're set free to love and be loved. Because of Jesus and his spirit living within us and through us, we are able to live the life that God has always planned for us, a life of devotion and faithfulness to our creator and a life spent loving our neighbor as we should. We cannot do this on our own. Not at all. He gives us his spirit. Only through the grace and covenantal love of God are we to live and respond to God's faithful love to us. Amen.